Good morning, everyone. We're learning the Sikha on Baha'u'llah. And we're going to begin. Sif Aleph. The Pathak Vaidaba Hashem on Moshe Vamidbar Sinai, Bishana, Hashenis, Lotsesam, Eres, Mitzrayim, Bechodesh, Harishan, Lamar. On the Pasuk in our Parsha in Perak Teth, Pasuk Aleph, it says that Hashem spoke to Moshe in the Sinai Desert in the second year from when they left Mitzrayim in the first month, meaning in Chedesh Nisan, saying. And the Rebbe says that this preamble, that this Pasuk introduces and deals with Ha'isek, it concerns the commandment to the Jewish people to bring the carbon Pesach. And then in continuance of the commandment regarding Pesach, we have the whole story with, the, with Pesach Sheni, that there were certain Jews that were not um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a situation of Tara, and they said, why should we be left out? And the Ebershah gave us Pesach Sheni. And on this Pasuk, so Rashi cites in his commentary on this Pasuk, so the Debraham Maskil are the words Bechaydish Harishain. He cites the Tevais, the words Bechaydish Harishain in the first month. And he comments Parsha Shebereisha Sefer Loi Nemra Ad Iyar. The Parsha with which Chomish Bamidbar begins was not said until Chaydish Iyar. And here we have in this Parsha, which is a few Parshas in, we have something that was said in Chaydish Nisan. You learn that there is no chronological order of what comes first or what comes later in the Torah. We have to understand. The idea that the Torah is not, was not given to us or that the events in the Torah do not unfold necessarily in chronological order is known already to us. It's 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 an old concept, the Nilmat, and it is learned And it's not something we learned only once. We actually learned it from a number of Psukim that precede this one. All the way back in Harshas Barashis, in Chumish Barashis, on the Pasuk and this is Pasuk Gimel in Perek Vav of Parshas Barashas. It's very close to the end of the Parsha. And Vayoymer Hashem, the Perek says, and Hashem said, Loyadon ruchi ba'adam lo'aylam, bishagam hu basar v'hayu yamav me'ev esrim shana. Hashem said, my spirit will not continue to deliberate over humanity forever since they are mere flesh. And therefore, I've decreed that they will that they will have 120 years to repent. And if not, I'm going to bring the mabel. And Rashi brings down there that this puzzle doesn't seem to be in chronological order because it already tells us that Noyach's children were born. And there's only 100 years left for when Yafes was born before the Mabel. And here Hashem says, I'm going to give them 120 years. And Rashi says, 
that the Torah does not present the event of necessity in chronological order. And that the Gezeira of the Mabel was already decreed 20 years before Noyach even had any children. So that means that the Torah gave us this, that Rashi gave us this idea, the Torah presented in a way that was not a chronological order. Rashi told us it's a rule of thumb that so the Rebbe's question is, so what is this Rashi coming to tell us? You learn and more than this first initial question, this, this detail, so we have the overarching rule that the Torah is not a chronological order. And then regarding this specific instance where something that happened in Chaydesh Nisan is found later on in Chomish Bamidbar and the Torah opens up Chomish Bamidbar, the whole Chomish opens up with something that happened in Iyar, we already know this before the Pasuk that we're looking at now. And we know it from the parsha that we just learned. When the Nesim brought their offerings to inaugurate the Mizbeach, it tells us specifically in the Pasuk when this was. It was on the day that Moshe finished with setting up the Mishkan. And we're told that it was a Rosh Nisa. So we know exactly. So we already learned that a because Chomish Bamidbar opens up with something that happened in Iyar, and Parshas Nasa deals with something that happened in Nisan before what happened in Iyar. So So why would Rashi says you learn from here, from our Paso? Which is after Parshas Nasei, when we already learned a in a very big way, very obvious way. Why would Rashi says you learn it from here? Shari Parsha Shabrisha Sefer Nemra Adir, and 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 Rashi tells us because what happens at the beginning of Bamidbar wasn't said until Iyar, and here Bahalaiska is talking about something that happened on Inisa, but we already learned this last week. And in Parsha's Nasa, Rashi doesn't say a word. And we have even another instance of this where something is not a chronological order and Rashi doesn't comment on it. And that is concerning by Yishalko Mina Machna. They were sent out of the Machna, or Perish Rashi. So, Bamidbar opens up with something that happens in Iyar. Then we have these events that happened in Nisan of that year, clearly not a chronological order, and Rashi doesn't say anything. And then when we come to our Parsha here, Rashi tells us that the commandment concerning Pesach, and then what follows later, Pesach Sheni, is not a chronological order. The came, and so if we already had these instances of things not being in chronological order, Mahu Shakasa Rashi Lamadita Khan, the Dafki from this 
pasuk, you learn high no meaning. Sheinian eighth stage of mukam ochavatara nilmat kan bepamavishayna. Rashi makes it sound as if you're hearing this comment, this concept, that the Torah is not a chronological order for the very first time, but but that's clearly not the case. Base, Babir Bazet, and the explanation is as follows: Achidush Kanhu She'ein Seder Mukdam Um Ochar B'Tayra. The Lashon Zu underscored Adayin Le'Nakat Rashi the Elder Peirushin. What's new that I've explained is the word seder. That there is no order that is chronological in the Torah. Earlier, it's true, Rashi had said, but he did not use the word seder. This is new. This terminology, this particular term, seder was not used earlier. Why? In the earlier instances, when Rashi used the term, there is no chronological, um, I don't want to use the word order because that is the definition of the word seder. Uh, maybe there's no chronological presentation in the Torah. It was always in regard to a particular event, a particular commandment, a particular pronouncement. That was written in the Torah, not in chronological order. In these places, in these instances, So in these places, it's not such a big question that something is presented out of order. Because the Torah is not a historical tome. That delineates the exact order in which events happened and the exact time in which pronouncements were made. And in all these places where Rashi says that the Torah is not written in chronological order, like Kasab Kain Rashi, Ella Kedeshala Yabu Lita is Bisman Hamura Ibismana Tibu. Rashi just came to make sure that we don't mistake the order of events, the trajectory. Kashara Dabba Nagalip Shutashal Mikra Alatar Ibimakam Achim. Because it's Nagalip Shutashal Mikra to know the chronology of when these things happen. So Rashi comes to make sure that we understand that it's not listed in chronological order. The Alpizeh and in the brackets, and when you understand what Rashi does in the other instances, so based on this move on, it's understood. So we understand why Rashi didn't comment in this way in Parshas Nasli. In the two instances, why did Rashi not comment? Because in the other places, because in the places where Rashi does comment, his intention is to tell us when those things did occur because they're presented in the Torah out of order. 
But here, but here, the Torah tells us exactly when these things occurred. So Rashi doesn't have to cite this axiomatic teaching that the Torah is not in chronological order because Rashi's main point is to let us know when it happened. But in our case, we see but in this Parsha, in the Pasuk we're looking at, regarding the commandment about Pesach, the Torah tells us exactly what happened. It tells us exactly when Hashem spoke to them. We don't need to guess. And in like, in like fashion, in the beginning of it tells us on the first day of the second month, which is here, in the second year from when they went out from its reign. And even though the Torah tells us exactly when it was, which is not the case with many other instances, tells us exactly when these parshias were said, but still and all, even though the Torah tells us exactly when these things were said by Hashem, they're presented in the Torah in opposite order. And that's why Rashi says, you learn, from here we learn something novel. Is saying that there could be events that are presented not in chronological order, and the events are not necessarily introduced to us with exactly when it occurred. But here we have two events where the Torah tells us exactly when they occurred, but they are presented in opposite order. In other words, what is presented at the beginning of Bamidbar happened after what's presented here in this Pasha. And this is even This is despite the fact that the Torah tells us exactly when this occurred, it's still presented to us in opposite order. This means it seems very clear that the Torah wants to let us know, wants to notify us the order of when these things happen. And Gam Oz, and still and all, even in this particular scenario, it is possible there will not be a seder, it will not be presented in order of chronology. And then Rashi continues and he says, and okay, now that it's clear that the Torah did not present it in chronological order, in fact, why did the Torah do this? 
Why did the Torah not open Chomish Bamidbar with this commandment of Hashem regarding Pesach in the Midbar? And Rashi answers, because this story showcases something negative about B'nai Yisrael. And what is that? That all the 40 years of B'nai Yisrael were in the Midbar, they brought only one carbon Pesach, only this one. Now, the Rebbe says, Bashkafa Rishayna, at first glance, ain't Zemuvan, it's not understood. Rashi tells us, you learn that there's no chronological order in the Torah. So if there's no chronological order, so why does Rashi double down and ask, in fact, why doesn't the Torah open with what happened as opposed to what happened with why does there have to be a question? Why does Rashi have to ask a question? And furthermore, why does Rashi have to present an answer? Didn't Rashi just teach us? There is no chronological order. So there's no chronological order. What are you asking about? And in fact, we find in the source, what seems to be the source of Rashi's commentary that is in the Gemara, that after the, the Gemara um, concludes, that this tells us that there's no chronological order. The Gemara does not go on to ask this question. The Gemara does not give us an answer for why there is no chronological order. And the same thing in the Sifri. It teaches us there's no chronological order, but it doesn't go back to ask why, and it certainly does not give us a reason for why. Now, the pastor, simply speaking, we could explain that Rashi differs. He says, you learn. And Ra and the Sifri says, Lila Maitcha to teach you. I knew this means Shaladas has Sifri. In in the Sifri's opinion, Shinsa Hatayras has Seder Kidei Lilam Dainu. According to the Sifri, the Torah changed the order of these pronouncements in order to teach us Shain Seder Mukta Mukha Batayra. To teach us this lesson that there's no chronological order. Masha in came, but a contradistinction, Ladas Rashi, in Rashi's opinion, Lamadita, you learn. Akavana Bazehi, his intention is to teach us, It's not that because the Torah wanted to teach us a lesson that that's why the Torah changed the order of presentation. No. But rather, that from the fact that the Torah changed the order presentation, we learn In other words, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? According to the Sifri, the reason why the order is changed in the Torah is because the Torah wants to teach us this lesson. Rashi says no. The Torah changed the order. And from this, by the by, we learn a lesson. 
But why did the Torah change the order? That's why Rashi follows up with his question. In fact, why did Komish Bamidbar not open up with this particular commandment regarding the Pesach and then the Pesach Sheni that followed? Why not? Why shouldn't this open up Komish Bamidbar? It's chronologically first. As is known, because Rashi is underscoring that every time the Torah changes the chronological order of events, there's a very particular reason. And there is a good explanation for what is placed first and what is placed later. In, 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 in how the parashiyas are presented. But this is still not computing completely. If that's what's bothering Rashi, then we want to understand because according to this, the question shouldn't really be why didn't the terrorists start with the commandment for Pesach? Ella, Lama, why? First question would be Shina Hakasov as a Seder. Why doesn't Rashi ask, why did the Torah change the order? And Beis, the Hikim is a Parsha Hahi, and why did the Torah open up with that Parsha? The Imkain Hayalele Rashi Lishal, Rashi should have asked, Loi Lama Pasach Bazu, because Rashi's question in our Rashi is, why did the Torah open with the story in Bamidbar that it does. But the Rebbe is saying, the question should be, Lama Shina Haseda. Why is the order changed? Lama Pasach And then, specifically, why with that story at the beginning of Bamidbar and not with our commandment about him? The Chaim, and on top of that, Tzarech Bir Balash and Kushyas Rashi. And then more specifically, so this is question three, why does Rashi use the word Pasach to open? Why doesn't Rashi say, Why didn't the Torah lead with that story? Why does he use the term? Why didn't Chomish Bamidbar open with this story? Doubt. Before the Rebbe gives us the resolution, Gam Tzarek Lahavin, we also have to understand Eshatirut Shel Rashi. We have to understand the, the answer that Rashi gives to this question. And what's the answer? The reason why Chomish Bamidbar does not open up with the commandment concerning Pesach is because this would underscore something negative about B'nai Yisrael. And what is that? What's the negative thing about B'nai Yisrael? That all the 40 years that they were in the Midbar, they only brought one carbon pepper. But the Chavis says, But what exactly is the um, criticism? What exactly is the wrongdoing of the Jews? But like Rashi Rashi already told us above, 
שתלך חסם מצפה זוכר ופסח בביא אסם לארץ. לארץ. ותראה connects the midst of Korban Pesach with B'nai Yisrael coming into Eretz Yisrael. And they had no obligation to bring the Korban Pesach in the Midbar. They were only commanded in anomalous fashion to bring one Korban Pesach, one year, that they brought up based on Hashem's commandment. How can you say that it's that it is something negative about B'nai Yisrael, that they didn't bring a carbon Pesach more than one, when they were specifically and explicitly told to bring the carbon Pesach only once they are in Eretz Yisrael? And therefore, that would mean that bringing a Pesach in the desert, with the exception of that first time that was Hashem's explicit commandment, it was prohibited. Because you're not allowed to bring on the Mizbeach something that you're not commanded to. On the contrary. In other words, the fact that they brought the, the, the carbon Pesach once is the surprising factor. And they brought it because it was Alpia Dibor, because Hashem specifically gave them a command to do so. So how can you turn around and indict them on the, on the fact that they didn't bring it more than once when they were explicitly told not to bring it until they come to Eretz Yisrael? A taste place from Mepharshi Rashi, the taste place and other Mepharshi Rashi, Mevarim explains the Hainu that this means Gnusan. What is the criticism? What is the negative thing? Shenishtahu likonez laaretz admem shana mipne avoyne merav. That what what this would underscore is the fact that they were delayed in the midbar. Why were they delayed in the midbar? They were delayed in the midbar. For an extra 40 years because of the sin of the Maraglin, other Mepharshim say because of the sin with the Mithainanin, other Mepharshim say, and that even makes it more difficult to understand what the indictment would be, that um, the reason they couldn't bring the carbon Pesach is because you could only bring the carbon Pesach if you have a bris milah. And there were Jews that were not Gemalit, that did not have uh, circumcision because of the difficult conditions in the desert it was considered dangerous for them to be circumcised. And then other Mepharshim say, but how many children could already have, male children could have already been born. Most of these men were older and so on and so forth. So there's a whole big elongated discussion what the Gnus and Shal Yisrael is. Aval Kasha Lefarish came to Pshut Mikva. But no matter what you say, if it was the Chet HaMeraglim or it was the Chet of the Misaininim or, or because of the lack of circumcision, the Rebbe says it's very hard to apply those overlays on the Pshudosh Mikra and on this Rashi, why? Share Aleph. First of all, the Parsha Shal Pesach, we're not even, we're not talking about the sin yet. But Adrab, on the contrary, the Parsha Seinu, in our own Parsha, Nemru Divrei Moshe, Moshe said to Israel, <clears throat> we are traveling towards the land, the place. 
Uperish Rashi, and Rashi says on those words, Within three days, we will enter the land of Israel. So this journey, they traveled this journey for the purpose of going to Israel. And there's no negativity that's swirling about yet. So it's very hard to embrace the what the other Mepharshim explain about what exactly is Rashi referring to when he says that Chomish Bamidbar couldn't open up with this commandment regarding the Karban Pesach because it would shine a negative light on B'nai Yisrael. But what negative light? So the Rebbe says, first of all, the, what the other Mepharshim are setting forth doesn't jive because right here and right now, <clears throat> they didn't do anything wrong. And Bayes, the Iker, and the secondly, and the main thing is the Fiza. According to this, that would mean that whatever negative thing, whatever criticism has to do with the fact that they were delayed from entering into the land for another 40 years, and it's not specific to offering the carbon Pesach. And then, and if you're going to say that this is considered a negative thing, then the negative thing, the criticism that they spent another 40 years in the Midbar is not specific to the carbon Pesach. It has to do with all the mitzvahs that have to do with the land of Israel or with mitzvahs that would become relevant when they enter the land of Israel, the Im Canaan, if so, then it seems strange that Rashi should attribute the criticism of the Jews or the negativity surrounding the Jews to this particular idea of the Korban Pesach. On the contrary, there is more criticism to be uh, had. There, there's more, it seems more flagrantly negative, relevant to other the other mitzvahs that are in this category of only having to do with coming to the, to the land. Because those other mitzvahs were not observed even once, whereas the carbon Pesach was at least observed once. Hey, the Yuvanza. I will understand what Rashi is teaching. By prefacing Mashakas of Rashi on the words that Rashi writes, You have to understand what is Rashi saying here when he says, Chomish Bamidbar does not open up with this commandment but rather it opens up with something that happened in Chedesh Iyar, because this commandment concerning the carbon Pesach would shine a negative light on the Jews. But it's not understood, it's not computing. If the Torah doesn't want to say anything negative about the Jews, so why mention the story? A lot of things happened that are not recorded in the Torah. 
So if this is negative, and the Torah doesn't want to tell us negativity, why mention it at all? We'll move on, Misa, so we understand from this. We understand, no, it's not that the Torah is going to whitewash all negative things that happened, but rather that it's specifically concerned with not opening up a whole safer, in this case, Chomish Bamidbar, with a negative thing. Because the beginning of the safer, because the way the safer, the safer opens has to be with an event or a commandment or a pronouncement that showcases Hashem's love and affection for B'nai Yisrael. But and in fact, we find we find in all these three svarim, I mean, the Rebbe is going to go back to Chumash Bereshia soon, but I'll just explain that Chumash Bereshia opens up with the creation of the world, and still the Rebbe explains how it talks about Chibas and Shal Yisrael. But is talking about B'nai Yisrael already a nation, and they're doing things, and how does it open? And each one of these farm opens with something that showcases Hashem's affection for Yisrael. Like Rashi explains at the beginning of every Sefer. On the words Rashi says All the names are listed in order to tell us how much Hashem loves us. By Yikra Rashi explains the whole Dibris, Miras, Kadma Kriya. Whenever Hashem wanted to say something to the Jews, he wanted to pronounce something to the Jews, he wanted to command something to the Jews. Each time it's prefaced with the word Vayikra, because Vayikra, Kriya, falling upon Moshe, is a Lashan Chiva. And then, Chomish Midbar opens with the fact that Hashem counts the Jews again. Why? Because he loves the Jews. The Rebbe says in brackets, and this is also true to say for Bereshit. On the face of it, it seems, that it opens up with the creation of the universe. But Rashi hastens to say at the very beginning, <clears throat> why does the Torah open up with Bereshis? You might remember, it should have opened up with the first mitzvah. Rashi explains, that the intention of opening up the Chumash Precious with these words is it's to teach us that Hashem created the whole world. Hashem loves B'nai Yisrael. He's going to give them the part of the world that he decides. Nobody could say anything against that because Hashem created the world. Hashem owns the world. Hashem is the final arbiter. And and 
It's Kayach Maisa. Hashem created it. It's all his. It's all his Kayach. It all belongs to him. And he could choose to give it Le'amoy, Lohem, to give it as an inheritance. The Rebbe says the one we have already learned this. <laughs> we would learn it the way the Rebbe learns it, and we would have been attentive to Rashi saying <coughs> this at the beginning of every sefer. We are forced to say Rashi Khan So if Rashi is saying. Why doesn't the Torah open with this commandment about the Karma Pesach? Remember the Rebbe says, why doesn't Rashi ask differently? Why doesn't Rashi ask, why did it start like that? But Rashi doesn't say, Lama Hikdim. He asks, Lama Pasach. Why didn't Chumash Bamidba open up with this commandment? And so once we understand Rashi's um, trajectory of thought, that each one of the Hamashim opens up with something that underscores Hashem's affection for the Jews, then we understand when he asks, and so why did not Chomish Bamidbar open with this commandment about Karban Pesach? We understand that he must ask this question because it must be Sheparsha Zu, that this subject matter, the commandment to bring the Karban Pesach, it expresses Hashem's love and affection for B'nai Yisrael. And therefore, it would have been more fitting that Chomish Bamidbar should open up with this rather than what it opened up with. Meaning that this is um, something that underscores Hashem's affection for B'nai Yisrael in an even greater manner than counting them. Or maybe it's different, so it's greater because we already know that Hashem counted them for the love. The beer hadel explanation is like this. Rubai kechula shalchomish vayikra hutzivoy hakadosh baruch hu shenemru lemoisha laachar kamas hamishkan. The vast majority of chomish vayikra. It's a series of commandments that Hashem gave to Moshe after Moshe erected the Mishkan. The Chomish Bamidbar, Isaac Bitsivoyim of Beseda Hamurai, Shalhan Hogaz B'nei Yisrael Bamidbar. And Chomish Bamidbar, in the main, um, involves itself with commandments and the unfurling of events that happened for the Jews in the Midbar. Omemela. And so, therefore, it would have been fitting that the beginning of Bamidbar should be a story or a commandment that underscores the superlative quality of Hashem, that they actually fulfilled Hashem's commandment, like, like we have here in our Parsha. That the Torah says that they did the carbon pesach with all of the specifics that Hashem had commanded Moshe. Cain asu bnei Yisrael, bnei Yisrael did it perfectly. Bishlei musli ubemilua, they did it in consummate fashion, in complete fashion. 
בכך שכל בני ישראל קריבו את קרבן השם במוי אדוי במשכן, כדבוי למוה, עד כדי הצביע למנהיגות. מיני דפני ישראל רואות בקרבן תהשם, in the right time, in the משכן, and they did it completely, and they did it perfectly, so much so, that those who were not able to bring it, in anomalous fashion, came to Moshe and said, why should we be left out? In other words, why doesn't Terry begin with this story where we see the passion and the dedication and the loyalty of B'nai Yisrael Tashem? And although it's true that the beginning of Chumash Bamidbar is also about something that underscores Hashem's affection for the Jews, which is their counting, but still in all, in addition to the fact that, hey, logically speaking, if you have two events that underscore the affection of Hashem for the Jewish people, put them in chronological order. But in addition to this, but the idea that counting them underscores or showcases Hashem's affection for them, it's not a new thing. We learned this, let's say, example or model of Hashem's love for the Jews at the beginning of Chomashimai. So that's another reason why it would have been more fitting for Chomish Bamidbar to start with this story. Number one, it would have been chronologically in order. Number two, there's something about presenting a novel thought, a novel teaching. It's always more exciting. It resonates more deeply. And we might add, that if in fact the Torah would open with the story of Hashem commanding the Jews to do the Korban Pesach and their punctilious commitment to doing so, if in fact the Torah would have been written that way, there would have been a really beautiful pattern in Shemais, Bayikra, and Bamidbar, a pattern of Ascending in holiness, mal in how so? The Rebbe explained. The opening of Chomishemais, where Hashem recounts the, the names of all the Jews, shows us how Hashem loves the Jews for who they are. And it comes to full expression. To the fact that he he counted them, he delineated their names. What about the opening of Sefer Vayikra? So in Shemais, it's about the Jews qua Jews, just for who they are. In Vayikra, it's more specifically about Hashem showing his affection through the agency of the mitzvahs and the commandments that he gives us. And this comes to particular expression through the fact that every time Hashem gives them a mitzvah or a commandment, 
it's framed within a calling Kriya. And Kriya is Lashon Lashon Rashi, and as Rashi explicates in the Komish Vayikra, that this preface of Vayikra appeared, was, was, um, was in place, for all utterances, for all pronouncements, and for all commandments. And this is different from when Hashem spoke to Moshe for things that Hashem had to tell Moshe that Moshe had to take care of. But when Hashem spoke to Moshe to convey a message to B'nai Yisrael, it was always prefaced by the word Vayikra. And Rashi finishes there, but this is different than how Hashem appears to the prophets of the other nations. Hashem appears to them in a very transient way and without a preamble of holiness. I knew this means. And the reason that there's such a digression between how Hashem speaks to Moshe and specifically when it has to be to Bnei Yisrael and the, and the rest of the prophets is because they're dealing with Umas Ha'ilam, they're dealing with other nations. Meaning that how Hashem spoke to Moshe and especially when it was to convey something for Bnei Yisrael underscores Hashem's love for Bnei Yisrael. And the opening of Sefer Bamidbar, and so if the Torah would have opened with the commandment of B'nai Yisrael that they bring a carbon Pesach, this would have opened with a particular commandment directly to them with a very special mitzvah miyuchedes Really, they were not obligated. But the fact that Hashem would tell them to bring the carbon Pesach, even though the, let's just say, conventional parameters of that mitzvah was only in Eretz Yisrael, but the fact that Hashem told them to do this shows Hashem's love and Hashem's praise of B'nai Yisrael. And B'nai Yisrael, in fact, perfectly observed the mitzvah. They brought it up in the mishkan completely. So the Rebbe is telling us it would have been so perfect to open with a story. Yes, and even more. In this story, we find full expression of Aleph Ma'alasam Veshivcham Shal B'nai Yisrael. We find expression of the greatness of B'nai Yisrael and their praise. How great was their desire to fulfill the commandment of Hashem. Until 
obtain tabu v'tanu lamani gara levilti kriyas karban Hashem b'mayadah. Bnei Yisrael were so inflamed; they were so impassioned about this mitzvah that even people who were tummy the nefesh. So, first of all, it's not their fault that the tummy. And it's not even something that really they have a chiyuv to do. The chiyuv only kicks in when they come to Bnei Yisrael, they come to Eretz Yisrael. And still in all, they came and they appealed and they said, why should we be left behind? So first of all, this story underscores the greatness of Bnei Yisrael. And also underscores Hashem's affection for Bnei Yisrael. That Hashem, in fact, embraced their complaint and their request. And he actually granted them the possibility to make right what was missing and to bring the carbon Pesach on Yudalad Be'ir Pesach Sheni. So because the Rebbe explained to us it would have been so perfect for the Torah to start with this, on top of the fact that it would have been chronologically in order, that's why Rashi feels compelled to ask, Lama loy the reason why the Torah can't, answer, can't start with that is because it shines a negative light on B'nai Yisrael. It, we learned from this story, or kind of the story would, would kind of bring attention to the fact that all the 40 years that they were in the Midbar, the Israel only brought this one Pesach. Meaning, The very love that we see in this story is a double-edged sword because it also carries an underbelly of negativity. What is that? That Although Rashi tells us, and it's clear and it's very explicit in the Torah, that this mitzvah was contingent on their coming into Eretz Yisrael, Mikhail Mokram, still in all, but this is not comparable to the other mitzvahs that are dependent upon coming into Eretz Yisrael. Where the essential fulfillment of the mitzvahs can only happen when they come into the, to, 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 to Eretz Yisrael. And the Rebbe says, and not only, we're not only talking about Mrs. Bikorim, or Trumais, or Maestrois, you would think we were only talking about agriculturally based mitzvahs. Shehein mitzvahs, because those are mitzvahs that actually depend on being in the physical land. They depend on the fruit and the and the wheat and the grains of the Nasol when they are in Eretz Yisrael Dafna. Ella, 
But let's take something like um, uh, you you have to make a petah hamar, the firstborn of a donkey, has to be redeemed. So there are donkeys outside of Eretz Yisrael also. It's not just relevant to the land of Israel. But still in all, at least according to one opinion, this was only to be done when they came to Eretz Yisrael. It's only when they come to Israel. But we learn from here that the carbon Pesach is also relevant to when they were the Midbar. But practically speaking, meaning, this is a mitzvah that could be done in the Midbar. We know it could be done in the Midbar because Hashem commanded them to do it once. It's true Hashem didn't command them to do the carbon Pesach every year in the Midbar. But if they knew it could be done, how come they weren't clamoring to do it? But, there, Mizu, sorry. Well, what about Bismila? I mean, they they so many it didn't they didn't do you know they there was that was like such a to me anyway, such a basic thing. But so, so many of them didn't do it in the in the midbar. So it comes out from the Mephorshim that there was a very specific reason that they didn't do it in the midbar. But that but that reason is not relevant to being a karma pesach. The reason was um, there's something called ruach safain, a wind that comes from the north. And I have to confess that I don't have a complete understanding, but it seems that that Ruach Tzifoynis was not, was not operating to take away the pain or to take away the infection, to bring mm -hmm. healing after Mila. And therefore they didn't do the Mila. And um, I, <laughs> not such a Yada Sefer, and the sources I looked at in English kind of called it a climatic, um, like, they attributed it to the climate in the Midbar, but there's some more esoteric thing going on here. But whatever that means, that there wasn't a Ruach Tzifayin is, that's why they couldn't do Prismila. Masha'in came, but the Rebbe's pointing out, but Korban Pesach, they could have done. How did they know they could have done it? Because Hashem had them do it once in the Midbar. It means they could have done it other times. Viyaseira Mizu. Wait, wait, Rifki, Rifki. Yeah, yeah. But her question stands. Not everybody would be able to eat it. Why shouldn't some? Every the the Mephorshim also speak about that that it wasn't that many. And, oh, so they should have done it. So they should have done it anyway, even though everybody can be included. Yeah, and the chayyot wasn't adults. There were many, many reasons for why you could overlook that. Okay. And if one of the things is that if oh no, that's oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the Rebbe says the Aseramizu, and even more so. We see how powerful the Jews were. That based on the complaint and the request of really a small cohort of Jews, when they said, Lamanigara, Nasana Kadish Baruch Uzman, the carbon pencil, be Yudal Beir. 
Hashem allowed them to bring the carbon Pesach one month later. Kadesha Yukulahakiv's carbon Pesach. And such an event we don't find by any other mitzvah or carbon or any other carbon. Usually there's a statute of limitations, and once the time comes for bringing a certain carbon, when it passes, too bad. So nobody would have faulted these Jews. It wasn't their fault that they were in a state of tuma. They would not have gotten a demerit on their chart, but they showed such passion. So they showed such passion here. So this, this brings a very strong question to the fore. And even for Ben Chamish Lemikra. How is it possible? Once they had the mitzvah and Hashem showed that they could do it in the mitzvah and Hashem showed them the power of their quest, the agency that they had and they were successful. So why did they not ask and demand why should we be left out? And especially, you might ask, why did they ask about other carbonate? But the Rebbe says this carbon is, is very special. This is the carbon that saved them. This is the carbon that brought them to the Gula from its right. And this is the carbon that Hashem had given them the commandment to offer in the midbar already once. So it's kind of like Hashem had shown them the possibility, Hashem had shown them. Shad opened up the potential. And how much more so? And they saw that when just a few Bnei Yisrael said, why should we be left out? Hashem gave him the possibility to bring it up. If all of Bnei Yisrael, like we say in Yiddish, if they would have all asked, if they would have all demanded, because they knew that this korban was different from all the other mitzvahs that are contingent on being in the land. And if they would have just asked Hashem, that they want to bring up the carbon pesach like they did in the second year. For sure, Hashem would have granted them the possibility. And this is the negative thing that is kind of showcased in this commandment from Hashem, which is why Rashi says that Chomish Bamidbar doesn't open with a story. What is it? At all the 40 years they were in the Midbar, they only brought up this once that Hashem told them specifically to do it. If Bnei Yisrael would have asked by Hashem, how can you deplete us? How can you deny us? Their 
bakasha, their ask, their, their request would have been fulfilled. It would have been accepted by Hashem and they would have been able to bring the carbon Pesach all the 40 years. Okay. Ches. Omnam, however, so once we know what they did wrong, we have a new question. Okay, new. They, they dropped the ball. But what about Moshe and Aaron? What about the Shivan's kingdom? Where were the leaders? Why did they not ask Hashem and affect by Hashem that they should be able to be in the carpet. And the Rebbe says, the explanation according to Hasidus is as follows. The main job of a Nasi in Yisrael, first and foremost, and this is really the essence of what it means to be a Nasi, is to think about B'nai Yisrael and to do what has to be done for their good. And so much so, this is so much the case that we find that Moshe was ready to die for B'nai Yisrael. Not only was he ready to die physically, how did how do we see that he was ready to give up his his whole nefesh? But Amri, when he said, "If you don't forgive the Jews for the carb, for the for the egel, then erase me from the book that you have written." And what was more precious to Moshe than Tyre, Tyre's Moshe is Bnei Yisrael. And now we understand what was going on here. The news don't show Yisrael. The negative thing about Bnei Yisrael, Hamuvas Beparshazu, that is expressed in this story, that they didn't ask to bring the korban Pesach all the other years. It wouldn't be so blatant. It wouldn't have been so blatant. Because it's not that B'nai Yisrael asked for it. Hashem gave them a commandment. And then they wanted to do it completely. On the other hand, but what if after that, Moshe and Aaron would have come and asked Hashem that B'nai Yisrael should be able to bring the carbon Yisrael, And they would have been able to affect this, not only for themselves, but for all of B'nai Yisrael to bring the carbon Yisrael. This request on the part of Moshe and Aaron would have, would have kind of showcased negativity on the part of B'nai Yisrael. But if in Gadol Yisrael, and here it would have been more clear and more blatant. Ahareisa would have showed Shazehu Karbalashen 
In other words, it comes out that the Rebbe is saying, what do you think? Moshe and Aaron didn't want to bring the carbon Pesach all those years? Of course they wanted to bring it. But if they would have asked, then B'nai Yisrael's silence, B'nai Yisrael's lack of asking, juxtaposed upon Moshe and Aaron asking, would have been an indictment on B'nai Yisrael. And therefore, because Moshe and Aaron were such loyal shepherds, Vitru, they passed up. They were mevater on this tremendous possibility. So as to not bring expression in a more clear and blatant way on a deficit in B'nai Yisrael. Even though this would have been something, this would have been an ili for them. This would have showed how, how impassioned they are about observing every one of Hashem's mitzvahs. And they would have brought the carbon Pesach because of their request. But they didn't do it. They were mevater because their main concern was to guard the honor of B'nai Yisrael. That's Anasi. We'll give up all kinds of things just to take care of the flock and never to shine a negative light on them. Rufki. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I just, just trying to make it uh, absolutely practical. I want to understand something. What would have been wrong if this is the case for Anasi to teach them in, in a positive way. I mean, to teach them Definitely. that this would have been an appropriate reaction, appropriate action on their part. Yeah, so I- I mean, I, it I, is I, passive. Why, why not, right, as a right. leader, take an active role in teaching so, them? This is the very beginning of us as a people, second year. So it's a very good question. And I asked the same question. The answers I got is that it would, then it wouldn't have been their request. It would not have been their request. So, in other words, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have showcased their love, their passion, their desire. That that is true, but okay. So, how do you apply that today? Again, you know, how do you? I mean, I keep thinking about the nice Slavhod, where you see that they did come and ask, and it. You know what I mean? How do you? If they don't ask, leader, if they don't leader. ask, they're not ready. Yeah, but as a leader, you also have an obligation. I mean, as a teacher, as a leader, how do you measure that? That's what I'm asking. I'm, I'm not making a, a, a pro or an a con on this. I'm just asking in terms of leadership, how do you measure? When do you step back and when do you, or as a parent or whatever it may be? You have to see simonim in them. When you see simonim in them that they're ready, then you take the step. But before that, they're not going to be ready to accept it. 
they they have they show simonim when they're ready a leader can gauge that usually that's what makes a leader is that they can see when they're ready when they're not ready to take on stuff imposing on them because you think it's good for them doesn't mean they're ready to take it as the government say with um campaigns that i would have put so much more on the people if i thought that they would acquiesce exactly But Le'idach, I wanted to say that our Rebbe, you could see in his Torah constantly, there was a refrain. That was, if you could do it, then you must do it. In other words, I think the Rebbe took this idea. I don't have like, a, 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 you know, a final re- reconciliation to your question, Esther, which, which I think you got some fine answers, but I, I understand what your question is still. But I'll just say that practically speaking, you see in Sichas, over and over, and in minus and answers from the rep to individuals, that the rep felt that if you have the opportunity, you have the potential, you have the yechelis, then you must do it. And this is actually a chiddush in the rep's term because, you know, um, <laughs> you know, where does it say that if you could, you must? But for the rep, it was if you could, you must. And that's and that's his. That I mean, this is a chitch, the Rebbe saying, what was the Gnus and Because we already saw what the other Mepharshim said. The Gnus was that they were in the Midbar for 40 years. I can't, imagine, is- I can't imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Hakain didn't try, didn't make some efforts, didn't, didn't do something. And obviously, whatever they wanted to do was just going to upset everybody, kind of. We, we can't understand or it must have felt like in that situation but it might it might not have upset anybody but it would have been a contrast to what B'day Yisrael were not doing and they did not want to bring attention to that right right it's the same with us today you know if you're going to embarrass somebody or shame somebody or make them feel bad about something you leave it for now you try it again you know wait until they're ready don't do it now don't don't spoil things, you know, things are going good. Just a thought. Yeah. Ten. Alpi So based on everything we learned above, Yesh Levar, we can explain. Alpi Yena So the wine, right, is the, is the most precious and the most expensive and the most coveted aspect of the grapes. The Hasidus. Rebbe says, so based on the wine, the initial tertiary parish Rashi, because Rashi contains that as well. Hatam, The Rebbe already gave us a reason, Alpinigla, about what's going on here. But this is the first time that Rashi uses the term Ein Seder. In other places, Rashi wrote Ein What's different about this place, what, about this instance in the Torah, is that Usually, Rashi's trying to tell us about when things happen. And that's why he has to say, Here, the Torah tells us exactly when these two things were happening. One happened in Ir, one happened in Nisan. And Rashi wants to come to say, But the Rebbe says, He uses again the word that Rashi says, you learn, what do we learn here? The 
<clears throat> obligation to bring a carbon on Pesach Sheni, which is the big novelty in this parsha. It's a different kind of obligation than Pesach Rishon or other mitzvahs. Because the other mitzvahs and Pesach, the regular Pesach, Nikva Because every mitzvah has a particular time, the carbon Pesach has a particular time, there's a Seder. Ella. But when you talk about Pesach Sheni, Hadavar Hubaifen Shaloy Al Piseda. But Pesach Sheni is something that's not in the normal rubric. It's not in the normal box. <clears throat> it was a bor Elu Shaloy Hikrivas of Pesach Bismana. Vigan. And it's not only novel in that <clears throat> it, 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 it's anomalous from all the other mitzvahs and all the other kabbanes that have very set time and very set way in which you bring it. And the way they got this mitzvah is a sharp digression from the way the other mitzvahs were given to B'nai Yisrael. They didn't get it top down. But rather in response and as a reply to their complaint, Ubakashasam and their request, Shal Yehudim Shahayu Tameim Lenefesh Adam. And they, and it came from Jews that were Tameim Lenefesh. And they said to Hashem, Lamani Gora, why should we be left out? Ubavaydis Hashem, and Hasidus explains that in, in, in service of Hashem, this this modality of their asking to bring a korban because they couldn't bring the korban at the first time because they were tamil and epish. So, inyan avoidus hachuba. This is the inyan of chuba. She ain't he darkashala adam haoyvidus hashem bederach hayasha. The straight path, as it were. Asher asalakim as adam yasha, like it says in Kahelas. The, the straight and narrow path is to do what Hashem tells you to do. Shuvah is different. Shuvah is avoida elazuhi avoidasai shel misha nichsha. It's avoida of somebody that stumbled. Chata upagam ba'avar sadarach. He went in the wrong direction. He created some kind of rupture and he trespassed on the way of Hashem. Bezeu gam taichan initial tamil nefesh adam commission is bar ba'avar baruch. The Rebbe says, that Tamei Lenefesh of the Hasidus shows on some kind of spiritual deficit, like they have explained at, at length in the past. And now we can see an illusion in the words of Rashi when Rashi says, because this showcases something negative, a criticism of an Israel. That all the 40 years of Nesol in the Midbar, they did not bring a carbon Pesach, except for this one. That their bringing up of Karbanas Pesach in the Midbar 
would have also been something that was not in the Seder. It would have been like out of network. Both because this is not the rubric of the mitzvah. Like <clears throat> we see that this commandment was, was anomalous. Hashem had to tell them to do it because they weren't supposed to bring carbon Pesach in the midbar. Because when they were in the midbar, they did not have an obligation. And secondly, and also, and mainly, so it's anomaly. It would have been anomalous in two ways. First of all, they don't have to bring it. So it would have been like hollering outside of the lines in the best way, but outside. And also, it would have come from there. And why is this? The for the entire time that the Jews were in the Midbar, they were post-sinning. That was the reason they were in the Midbar for extra 40 years in the first place. And this is in stark contradistinction to their spiritual state in, the, in Mitzrayim when they brought the first carbon, Pesach. They were just born as a nation. They were like innocent babes. So when you have to do tshuva on a sin, and the Rebbe speaks about this in a lot of places, in a lot of sikhs, it's something that's not within Seder. It's Lamaila Seder. Vishaita Chada could even happen in one moment. Avoidus Hachuba. Chuba has a different quality about it. It has a different potency. It's not didactic and it's not according to the rules necessarily. Alpikola Nal Nimta. But once we understand all this, based on all the above, we find Shebipar Shasenu that it's in this story. We learned the greatness of the request of the Jews when they said and because the Torah is eternal and so everything in the Torah is it's an eternal lesson it's understood so what's the big takeaway from this story? The power that the Jews have to request, to ask, to entreat, to implore, to demand. And this is an eternal lesson. And it's relevant to all times and all places. And the Rebbe says, especially in our time. And this is true regarding all the requests and all the prayers of the Jews, generally speaking, and how much more so, how much more so this applies to the full hearted, to the soulful request of every one of Bnei Yisrael. 
that after so many years, when all the time that the Gemara Sanhedrin delineates Mashiach was supposed to come, we have our soul felt request that Tavoy Hagaula Hamitis Vashlema Oboevan Demiyad Hein Nikolin, that the complete and the true Gaula should come and it should be immediately. And in the words of the Shemana Esrei, the Bnei Yisrael Daven three times every weekday, we ask Hashem to grant the flowering of our Redeemer, David, immediately with alacrity. And at the very end of the whole Shemana Esrei, and also on Shabbos Yantiv, we say, The Rebbe says it should be literally and plainly and emphatically speedily in our days, quite literally, with no pshetlach, no commentary, just literally. I forgot, so forgive me, and I want to um, remind all of us to have in mind that this learning and anything else we can do for the Refua, Shalema, Ukraiva, Vamitis, of Arab Yosef Yisrael Ben Sima Chasya. That's our Sikha for today. And now it's everybody's turn. Thank you. Thank you. Nobody wants to share something? Um, I'll share something that came to my mind, but I don't know if it's Shaif and I don't know if it's every, how everybody's going to react, but I cannot well, help. You're safe. We can't, what, what can we already do from our boxes? <laughs> I cannot help but think about the Yechidus that Rabbi Riskin had with the Rebbe about women dancing with a safer terror. Do you remember that Yechidus? He came not knowing um, if he did the right thing by letting them, right? And that was his first response was that he did the right thing. And then that Rebbe said to him afterwards, talked about the concept where the women don't uh, touch the Sefer Torah. They took it upon themselves not to touch the Sefer Torah. I'm not sure if I'm saying this 100%, you know, Whatever, but the concept that the, the, that the women took upon themselves that they won't touch the Sefer Torah or even look at it, whatever, it's a time of Nida. And it was accepted like halach, it was accepted by the Chachamim. And uh, therefore, they took it upon themselves something about not embarrassing the women who are going through their cycle at the time of, of Simchas Torah. Do you remember that? Do you? I know, I know about this Yechidus and a subsequent letter from the Rebbe right. that I think he said he didn't get, or he didn't get for a very long time. Uh, but I, but I'm subsequent not, letter I'm not was clear. Made. I'm not clear on all the details now. I would have oh, to. Read, yeah, well, I, I, what I find very interesting that letter had a tremendous that whole Yechidus letter had a tremendous impact on me, and I find it interesting that um, you see in this 
Lamanigara, why we, the women said, why not? Why should we not be able to? They meant it for real. It wasn't coming from a, you know, why can't we? It's our right. simcha too. It's our Torah. If it's not my Torah, why am I doing all this? And if it is my Torah, why can't I dance with it? Right? So you see that element. <laughs> and then you see the element of the women took it upon themselves for the honor of the women who are going through through a cycle, not to make them feel bad or not to have busha. I don't know. Somehow this popped in my head at the time. And I find that it's it's an interesting concept of Lama Nigara, and yet you are being careful with Kvaidam Shel Yisrael, that balance. Anyway, I saw it, and I I don't know. As women, I find that whole thing amazing, what happened with Rabbi uh, Riskin. I, I just that want that ever the sensitivity of the Rebbe and how it, it just anyway I find that an amazing um, dichidus whatever. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. <clears throat> I Alisa. also think um, like the whole progression of the sicha that brings us obviously to Mashiach, like most sichas do, but it's like Moshe couldn't tell the people that what they had to do in order to request to bring the carbon. And it's the Rebbe saying at the end, the same thing to us, like, I'm not going to, I can't tell you emphatically what you have to do, but you have to do it. So like, listen to the davening, listen to what we have incorporated in every part of our uh, Avaida and tell Hashem, we need Mashiach now. Why should we miss out anymore? Yeah, and maybe because we weren't the Dar Hamidbar, the Rebbe did have to tell us very, very specifically over and over and over and over. But um, but now, like Elisa's saying, we really we we have to step up to the plate because we see that our tevia, our demand, has has great power. At the risk of, I don't even know how to say this, but. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't hint to the Yidden. He didn't tell them what they had to do, even in an indirect way. And the Rebbe is obviously doing that. How do we explain that? I mean, it could be different times, different different situation, different times. And we're and learning. Were lot, by the way, there were a lot of times like Rabbeinu where the Rebbe said, I waited and waited for people to ask or to say or to do. And I see that nobody did, so I have to bring this up. I'm not talking about Mashiach, I'm saying there were many different, it was even sometimes, you know, there was a time where the Rebbe used to let people know which Rashi was gonna speak on and he waited for people to send questions. He said, I waited, I waited for this question. Nobody asked a question, I have to ask the question. So like, I, I think the Rebbe very much wanted to empower us and wanted to light a fire under us that we should take initiative, but when we didn't. And the Rebbe's laying this whole thing out saying, they didn't hint, they didn't ask. So if I'm hinting and I'm asking, how much more so should you guys be on top of it? Yeah. Interesting. One thing is for sure, we can't say that we don't have the power. I think we have more I think we have more power now that this is what I feel than when the the rebel was with us physically 
Um, there's so much more available to learn. And I, I find it very, very powerful. The, the, the resources that we have now, um, I don't know whether it was just because I was a bit younger and I was more busy and I didn't have time, but I really feel now there's 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 nothing that if I want to find it and learn it and 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 find out more about it, it's there. It's just there, and it never was like like what we're learning today is like we never had it then. You have to find it. Yourself. It was a different time because there was so many Giluyim. There was such iris. There was so much coming at us at one time. We weren't Kalim to take it all in, or most people were not. You're right that there's a lot more resources today, but I think it's coming from a place of, we understand that to connect to the Rebbe, has to be from a place of Atmos. It can't just be that we're going to come and look at his beautiful face and the Rebbe is going to smile at us and take care of everything. It goes right back to the first words that the Rebbe said when he assumed leadership. He said, I don't want you to talk yourself into the fact that I'm going to do the work for you. But for a very long time, it was kind of easy to coast on, 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 on the iris. And we were not unpacking all the gifts that we had at all. And we have this time period where, like that I was saying in the Sikha, is hinting and asking, but we're in a time period where we don't have it being like coming out day to day, the Rebbe Sikhas. So it's okay. So we see this written out, just like we saw that the Jews said Lama Nagara at that time. They could learn it in the Torah, but it's like, so we're learning it now, but it's still on us because we don't have a direct command to say, now's the time we need Mashiach now. Yeah, and I, I also feel like Lama Nagara, we have to scream today, Bishar, how long are you going to keep the Rebbe from us? <laughs> Lama Nagara. The rabbi is with us. But I think, gosh, me, I mean, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're 100%. With us, even more with now. The, we want to see the rabbi, we want to see the rabbi. You try hard enough, you'll see him. And the rabbi says that Mashiach is here. We just have to open our eyes and, and, and we'll see. And we do, it's, if you look around. It's the push-pull, we have to wake up every morning and we have to say the Rebbe is with us. The Rebbe is with us in a way that's much, much stronger and much more potent than even before Gimel Tamas. And on the other hand, we can't for a minute make peace with, with the time that we're in. We still need to demand. We're not we still the demand. I think when you, when, you know, people who like, I lived in a time when you could go and visit the Rebbe and talk to the Rebbe it was different. It was different. But we also lived far away. So it wasn't on a, on a day to day or a week to week or even a month to month. It was like maybe I would see the rabbi every few years. That's all, you know. And there weren't all the videos and the, there wasn't that. And I think now people are, I just feel the rabbi's like so close, so close. No one, no one is fighting you on that. We just, we just want it all. I think we need it for the telling us we should have it all. We should demand all of it, the whole right. picture. Do our own personal work to make sure we feel close and we are close and bring that closeness to other people. And at the same time, the uh, global redemption for everyone. Amen. 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 Wishing everybody a wonderful week and call to
Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.